Welcome to Chosen Conversations, where a group of friends talk about what the Chosen series means to them and how it shapes their lives and proclaims the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm John Mark Hicks. I'm a professor of theology at Lipscomb University. And one of the things I appreciate most about The Chosen is that it does tell the good news. There's good news in every one of these episodes. And that's the gospel. It's a dramatized vision of the gospel. Hi, I'm Haley Villacorta, and I love The Chosen because it's given me a personal connection to the gospel, and it makes me feel like I really know who Jesus was and his followers. Um, and it's been such a beautiful message for the world to understand uh, in a better way. And I, I am David Villacorta, and I love The Chosen because as a visual learner, I like to see things, and sometimes the Bible, it's great to learn things reading or listening, but, but when you see it on, in, in picture, in a movie kind of way, it just helps you put it more into perspective, like you're there and that you have those emotions. So I really love The Chosen for those reasons. Yeah, and I'm Stan Wilson. I'm a minister and also an adjunct professor, and um, I love The Chosen because it brings scripture to life in ways that even though I've known the story my whole life, it makes it real, more real than maybe I allowed myself in the past. Some of the backstory that's created and some of the elements that happen in The Chosen really allow you to live scripture instead of it just being a, a history book of facts. So with that, we decided uh, with great, uh, great uh, deliberation, which scene we would discuss first. And before we uh, started recording this episode tonight, we watched season one, uh, episode one, where in the bar, Lilith, the character that we find out is named Mary, uh, has an interaction with Jesus. She's, um, she's down and depressed, and she goes to the bar and wants alcohol. And the bartender even knows well enough that she probably shouldn't have alcohol, but she insists and he gives it to her. And right before she drinks it, a hand goes over the top of hers to keep her from reaching for the mug. And it's Jesus. And he says that that is not for her. And she gets upset and departs the bar. And as she's going away from the doorway of the bar out into the alley, Jesus calls her Mary of Magdala. And it shocks her so much that she drops her mug. It breaks on the ground. And she turns around and says, how, how do you know my name? And then he quotes to her from Isaiah 43 what she has known from her childhood, which is he is, he is the God that made her, and he has called her by name, and she is his. And so, Haley, <laughs> how did that make you feel? Chills. I got chills all over my body every time I watched that. Um, just inspirational to know that Jesus truly knows us by name and that he had the power to heal Mary in that in her darkest moment and knew who she was. And goodness, it's such a powerful scene. Um, speaking of the scene and just how powerful it is, John, I would love if you could give us a little bit of knowledge on what the scripture actually says compared to what we see in this awesome scene in The Chosen. Yeah, we don't know a whole lot about Mary, but we do know some very significant aspects. One is she is Mary from Magdala, which is a little town on the Sea of Galilee, on the coastline of the Sea of Galilee, where they've actually discovered a synagogue here in recent years. 
So we know she's from that small town around the sea. We also know that Jesus healed her of demons. We don't know the specifics of that, when and where that happened. We, we know also that she followed Jesus. She was part of the entourage of women who traveled with Jesus and helped support Jesus. We also know that she was at the cross and she was at the burial and she was at the resurrection and she was a part of the early church movement. So we don't know a lot, but what we do know signals that she is a very significant person in this story. Now, the scene that we have is a dramatized creation. It comes out of a kind of a what I would call a sanctified imagination. We know Mary. We know the story of Scripture. We know the threads of Scripture. We know the theology of, of, of the story itself. And so the creators of, the, of this episode brought those strands together to create this moment of oppression and redemption, where she is under oppression from a demon or demons, uh, and she's redeemed by Jesus. And so how do you picture that? How, how do you, like for David, I mean, how would I visualize that for David when I don't have a lot of data or detail in the biblical story? How could I present the gospel to David as a visual learner in, in the context of what Jesus did for Mary? And I think that's what that episode does. And what I like about that scene, you know, knowing that it's all creative dramatization of, of what the little we know about Mary and, and the whole process of her being uh, healed. Uh, what I love about that is actually how it happened. Jesus coming into the bar, Jesus meeting Mary where she's at, and while she's there healing her and, and, and having an encounter with her. The fact that Jesus is just, and that's the truth, that's truth in the Bible, meeting, he's meeting us where we're at, regardless of where that is. Yeah, I really like what you're saying there, David, and I think it's also fair to point out that there's kind of two camps, really. You, you hear people who sometimes have pushback, and they say, well, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of liberties being taken, and we don't have any proof that that's exactly how that went, whatever scene they're talking about. But in this case, we know that, you know, that the gospel, according to Mark, tells us that she had seven demons and that Jesus is who exercised them from her. So there is a factoid right there that is biblical. And we also know that just like our day and time, you know, the sun came up, the sun went down, it rained some days, some days some people were sick, somebody sneezed, somebody was hungry, some the dogs were barking in the background. Scripture doesn't tell us all those details, but we know from human life they've got to actually be there. So I think there's some sort of uh, blending between not letting the Bible be this thing that's over there in this box that means that it's so unlike my life that I can't relate to it. And then on the other hand, being so disrespectful of it that I just make any type of narrative that I want uh, without being biblically adherent. And that might be where the other people might push back is, well, what about this name Lilith? Well, the name Lilith is actually a, a root. It's pronounced differently in Hebrew, but it comes from a Hebrew root that's actually in Isaiah 34, verse 14, that you probably need your footnote in your study Bible, or maybe somebody who um, you know has, has been a student of Hebrew and can tell you that Lilith is a real biblical name and a real biblical word. 
we don't know exactly what it means. There's speculation about it being some sort of demonic like night. Night hag is one of the terms you'll see or demon of the night or female evil spirit. Um, but I see what Dallas Jenkins and company, I think, did, which was associate that to how Mary's disposition was while she was possessed, and then let Jesus be the one to identify to the viewer who this woman in this, in this character really is, and it's really Mary, and once he sets her free from the demon, she's free to actually be Mary. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that does make sense. It I, I like what David had to say, and as well as Haley there about meeting people with, I mean, this is the Jesus who is the friend of sinners, right? This is the Jesus who is the friend. And I'm not saying Mary's a sinner in, in some kind of prostitute sense. No, Mary's not a prostitute. Now, what we have in, in The Chosen is Mary's an abused woman, hmm. abused by demons and others. And so I think there's 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 a way of bringing the real world into the life of Mary as a way of testifying to these realities exist. There are women who are abused in this way, and there are women who are forgotten in this way. And Mary has to quote, has to cope with this in some way. And her coping mechanism is alcohol. And I think that can, a lot of people can identify with that as well. Alcoholism is a coping mechanism that is trying to heal a hurt it doesn't heal it it just covers it over and that's what was happening with with mary she kept covering it over and it wasn't being resolved but it's an invitation for all of us to hear our own stories our own stories of abuse woundedness addictions through the the eyes of of mary i think we can all relate to being in our worst moment and feeling like completely hopeless. And the only one that can help us is Jesus, the Lord and our savior. And I love how the chosen uses that and uses alcoholism, like you said, just to show we can all relate to Mary. So many people struggle with alcoholism because it's a coping mechanism because of the trauma they've experienced in life. Mm -hmm. And I love how Jesus, it seems like he purposefully chose Mary in that moment and he knew her potential and what she would become and the great follower that she was going to be and all of the goodwill she was going to do. And it does remind me in scripture that Jesus does choose the least of these to do his work. So you're never too far gone um, to be saved and to be used by the Lord. And I think that is a huge message from this episode. Yeah, I think if I, if I hear between the two of you as well on your comments, um, something that stood out to me that neither one of you actually articulated, but it still popped in my head, and that is that whether alcoholism is the crutch or the sin of, of the whoever's listening that might identify with the situation, what is consistent is that Jesus knew where to go to go get her. Mm -hmm. And when he says, you've been called by name and you're mine, he went into the bar and went to the place where she was, and he will come to wherever my vice and wherever my sin is too to get me or you or David or John Mark, even if it's not alcoholism. Right. I think that's very powerful for that creative dramatization of that scene, you know, knowing that he will find this and that, and that that's what the Bible does though, is that he'll meet you where you're at and he'll heal you from there. So I really do love that part of the scene. I think it's helpful to, to think about the dramatization as, as a homily, you know, as a sermon. It's, a, it's, an, it's another way of preaching, another way of articulating the good news. 
and uh, and in sermons we we do things with details and illustrations and parables and music and whatever else and we, we do a lot of things with sermons that to try to proclaim the gospel and i think that's kind of what the chosen's doing as well it's using the resources of scripture of the theology of scripture to proclaim the gospel and it's really interesting and, and i'd like to hear you know maybe people talk about this in terms of dallas or whatever but um the first follower of jesus is a woman in this series um, and i anticipate that in the seventh season we're going to hear jesus say the name of mary again uh, at the resurrection as the first one who will see the resurrected lord so i, I think that's pretty powerful too to kind of book in the whole series like that if if that's what happens i don't i don't know that's what's going to happen but I'm anticipating it should happen. Let's put it that way. <laughs> and I love what you're saying, how the show in itself is like a big, long sermon. You know, the gospel itself as episodes or a movie kind of way, whatever you want to call it. And and I think that's very powerful that this is getting to places where the word wouldn't get otherwise. Mm. You know, it's getting to homes that they would, they maybe had never stepped a foot at church or they have been long gone that they don't even know where the church is anymore. And maybe this is the way that Jesus is entering those homes. And I know a lot of people have uh, something again, may have something against it because you say this is not scriptural, you know, it's not in the Bible. But I mean, the Bible, once again, doesn't say everything. And like Stan put in, you know, there was a dog barking. Maybe we don't know. The Bible doesn't say that. It, and, and it, But it's just part of life, things that happen in, in life, in real life. Yeah, I love the I love the homily type uh, comparison because while you guys are saying that I'm sitting here thinking about another mentor of mine who says that you know a good a good sermon actually has you enter the world of scripture in an immersive way and that's really what they're doing with the chosen I mean sure there's going to be people who have tried to keep scripture at arm's length and say well you know it, it's almost like unfortunately I guess the words that come to my mind is some people kind of see scripture as God instead of, instead of scripture pointing to God and letting us see Jesus as God and human and then realize that he's experienced everything we've experienced. The dogs barking, the pangs of hunger, you know, death on the cross, but also just being in a being in a down mood one day or being happy or or being sad or being hot or being cold or having a headache or any of those things that scripture doesn't really distinctly tell us like what David just said. But if we allow ourselves to get immersed in the story, then our imagination comes on. And when our imagination comes on, it keeps us still grounded of what's real in humanity. And we start seeing that scripture is actually part of life and not some frozen thing over on the side that's a textbook or a rule book or some something that doesn't we can't really relate to. I completely agree. I think that's why The Chosen is such a unique tool 
for individuals that are wanting to learn about the gospel, learn about Jesus and the, the miracles and amazing things that he performed in his journey here. And it, that's why I believe um, it's much easier to relate to. And you can make a personal connection to the individuals that we see on the screen, whether it be Mary or some additional characters that we're going to talk about in upcoming episodes. But you can find your ways to just connect and honestly, just kind of get to know who Jesus was on a more intimate level. And for me, that's just been very important about this episode and series. So, so quick yeah. question you just made me think of, and I'll ask John, uh, how many times has the chosen in this scene included almost or has caused tears where reading scripture doesn't? Right. Well, I mean, there are times when reading scripture does, but yeah, but to take your point, you know, that's part of the, that's part of the power of visualization is it, it enables the, the story is told in such a way as it grabs your emotions as it calls you into an and into a, a reflective engagement with the stories you're lost in the story kind of thing right and it really does churn up the emotions i think that's a good thing because we are emotional beings we are that's part of who we are as in the image of god we are people who feel as well as think and we need both we need both for our movement of our will for the depth of our perception with a sense of commitment and uh, involvement, we need to be part of the story. And, and that's kind of what I teach in classes, right? We, we need to be part of the story. We need to read scripture so that we're part of the story. And chosen is just a way. It's not the only way, but it is a way. And it's, a, in my estimation, it's a powerful way to give us entrance into the story so that we can look around and see the story. Now, we need discernment. We can't just assume everything we see, oh, that's got to be in the Bible somewhere. No, that's not the point. Uh, the point is to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's what we want to get across. And we use the stories of Jesus to proclaim that good news, because that's what the life of Jesus is about, right? Mark chapter 1, verse 1 says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is the gospel. The life of Jesus is the gospel. You gave me chills, though, because you've also hit on something else that I think will be an interesting topic if uh, David and Haley have some ideas about it, too. And that is that where someone might do exactly what John Mark just said. Hey, wait a minute. That's not in the Bible. We don't know if Nicodemus tried to cast out the demons from Mary and was unsuccessful. There's nothing in the Bible that tells us that was even attempted. Okay, true. However, I heard a lot of people say, did Mary Magdalene have seven demons? And did was Jesus who cast them out? And then they go rifling through and Well, sure enough, she did, and he was. And so I think it can go either way. It can be, hmm. it can be for non-believers that we sure don't want them to accept everything that's dramatized and, and accept it all as biblical truth. But on the other hand, there's some people who've known the Bible or at least been around it their whole lives, and they're not sure about some of the stuff that is in the Bible yeah. that, that the episodes bring out. So in a way, it's a way for people that have been around the Bible for a long time and have read over these several times, where they maybe they, they, now they're questioning the facts and now they're going back to scripture to relearn it. And that, in a way, that's mm -hmm. also good, you know, that, you, that you're reading the scripture and just remembering that, yes, it was Jesus who healed, who cast the demons out, and she did have seven demons, you know? Yeah. It's also a way of thinking about 
that a lot of Christianity is head knowledge. It's mm -hmm. about head stuff, you know. But what this makes available to us, not the only way, but this is one way it's, it is available to us to enter with the whole person into the story, emotion and heart and will and just a consciousness of being in a relationship with the human Jesus and to see ourselves in this story. Because I think what we all said here earlier, we're all Mary in one sense. We've all been Mary in one sense. And to see this played out, I think that's why I get chill bumps. I mean, we got chill bumps right now just talking about it. Why we get chill bumps is, oh, that's me too. And God knows my name. And God loves me. So while there, while the details are not, you know, this is not a script from the Bible, but the theology, at least in this first episode, let's just stay here. At least in this first episode, the theology is very coherent and consistent with Scripture. And I want to talk about the Scripture that's so important in this series. I mean, in this first episode in just a moment. Well, you made me think of something when you when you talk about that, John. Um, I think I heard you say once that, uh, you know, maybe maybe Mary in this situation, in this episode, while, while she's Lilith, because she had that scripture from her father at such a young age, maybe she thought this wouldn't happen to her. And maybe she kind of wondered where God was. And that's something while you were talking that struck me is that sometimes when you watch these episodes, like this season one, episode one, you kind of realize Mary's not a young lady. She's not old, but she's not young. And maybe she had kind of just thought her plight in life was what it was. And it took God a while to actually show up to liberate her from that. And I sit there and I think about the things that I've been impatient about in my life, knowing that God has a plan and in his perfect timing, it will happen. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that episode shows us is that, okay, now, now she's released to be Mary of Magdala in a way she's probably never been since she was that little yeah. child with her father. But the entire yeah. time, dad, uh, God had the same plan for her that her dad had been telling yeah. her when she was a child. Yeah, let me, let me go to Isaiah 43. And then I want to ask Haley and David to kind of reflect on or connect with or whatever it is you're hearing in relation to the chosen in Isaiah 43. Tell us what's going on inside of you. But Isaiah 43 is such an important text in the Hebrew scriptures. This is the text that Mary's father and her quoted together, right? At the beginning, Mary's afraid. And what do we do when we're afraid? We, we recite the scripture. What scripture do we recite? Well, Isaiah 43. Well, what is it? I have created you. I have formed you. I have called you by name. I love you. And, it, and Isaiah 43 comes to Israel in a moment of Israel's own distress. Israel's in exile in Isaiah 43. They, they may even have, think, they may even have thought that God had forgotten them. And God was just going to let them rot in exile. What's God going to do? Remember, don't be afraid. God has chosen us. God has called us. And that includes sons and daughters. It's really interesting. This is not quoted in, in, in the chosen, but down in verses 6 and 7 of Isaiah 43, it refers to 
the sons and daughters. I have called you by my name, my sons and daughters. And that's a, a line that Paul picks up in 2 Corinthians chapter 6. He adds that to another quotation, the sons and daughters. We have a daughter of Israel here who represents Israel itself, found in exile, found in distress, found under occupation. And now this woman, Mary or Lilith, is under distress, is under occupation too by a demon. And God is going to redeem her as a sign and symbol of what God is going to do for Israel. And not just for Israel, for the whole world. So that we become not the temple of a demon, but we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And we are sons and daughters in the world with God. John, that's one of my favorite verses in the Bible, I think. And after seeing this episode, I think it's even more of one of my favorite verses, how it talks about, do not fear. God knows you by name. He calls you, you're his. I think that is really the core of this episode. When you were speaking about, um, you know, how it triggers such an emotional reaction in us, I think as human beings, you know, we were created by God. We have an internal longing for a relationship with God. We want God to love us. You know, we are made that way. And through this, we see that God loves us. He knows us by name. He will help us in our deepest moments of need when no one else can help us. And we feel like there's no one that can rescue us. And so for me, that's the most important factor in this episode. And that is how the visualization of the chosen has really changed from just reading scripture in the Bible to seeing, wow, this is a great example. Like God loves me. He's called me by name. He knows me at my my soul, my core depth, and he will always be there to rescue me. And for me, that's just the point of this episode. And I'm really glad we talked about that today for sure. And I'm glad you pointed out that that was uh, to Israel, right? But it was also, it, it's, it's true for Mary as well, just like it is true for me and you and the rest of the world. He has called us by name. That that's is exactly right. I mean, the Israel is the people of God. And God addresses sons and daughters, addresses people of Israel, and then addresses us. We are included as sons and daughters. So, yes, it is a corporate identity, but it's also my identity. I am a child of God, and I am loved. And no matter what junk I've been into, no matter how I've tried to cope with it, God, I am one of God's beloved, and God yearns for me seeks me out, goes into the bar, calls me by name, and welcomes me with a big old hug, right? You just did it again. I got full body chills because here's what I'm thinking, <laughs> if you guys agree. What the three of you just said, and thinking about Paul's language of being grafted in as, as Gentiles, uh, we are added to the 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 root were added to Israel. And if you think about it, um, Yahweh, Yahweh of the Old Testament is the God of Israel, and the rest of the world was supposed to watch what that relationship looked like, and then he would start calling people out of those nations. And until Jesus came and actually fulfilled everything that Israel was offered to do, the Gentiles didn't have a way to be grafted in. But we're grafted in, thank God, because of Jesus. 
And what if the next episode of this Chosen Conversations, we contemplated that with the scene with Nicodemus on the roof, where he doesn't understand what Jesus is saying about having to be born again, because he thinks he is in the chosen group. He is in Israel. What in the world could I need to be born again for? But now, now uh, the eternal family, as John Mark has said, is offered to everybody because of Jesus. And so there is no more um, preference to a group of people over another group of people like there was um, in the time of Isaiah. And so I, th I think these conversations naturally kind of fit together um, if we were to go to that scene next. So I offer that up as an as a, uh, option, if you agree. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're just going to go with the flow. Sound the ones, for yeah, the ones being at home, they'll have to come back. For the go ones ahead, being at home, they'll have to come watching at home. They'll have to come back to find yeah. out. Right? <laughs> right. There you go. Well, we're grateful for everybody who, who's watching. Thank you. Thank you for everybody here. Uh, may God bless you. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen. Amen.